And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM where we get into a Bible study. Join the 20 million movement, 20 million people across the world all studying the same passages of the Bible at the same time. But before we get into it, nobody has snapped up the quiz yet. I'm thinking it might be actually kind of hard. In fact, all the clues are pretty hard and obscure, I have to admit. I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You started off by saying this was a medium one. The first clue I thought was... Well, I would say medium hard because the, the, first the answer is like a pretty popular Bible character, but all the clues big surrounding... Hey, there's a big the hint. Big name yeah, in but the all Bible. Yeah, all but the, all the clues on, on this character are, are a little bit obscure. That's what I'm saying. Major name in the Bible. Yeah, true. The true. first clue was the easiest one I've had so far. We've only had yeah. two clues. Three. Oh, I missed one. Yeah. yeah, we're about to have our fourth, and then you guys might have to help me make what was, up some what was, more. What was the second one? The second one was, I'm the son of Amos, and Shira Jabuz is my son. And the first one was, according to the word of God, I told Hezekiah that the Lord would defend Jerusalem against the king of Assyria, the Sennacherib. Look at you. Do you know? I feel like a, I feel like a meatball with sauce because I'm surrounded by <laughs> pasta. <laughs> and and who was accusing me of doing dad jokes? I got pasta. That's the worst dad joke you know, ever. You know, it's not going to be much longer, Lyle, and you're going to be Pastor South or Senior. Because you're going to have your son pass the Southall Junior. Okay. <laughs> the plus side to this. There is a plus side to this. What's that? He gets to be called Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't always calling you Junior. <laughs> Not sure okay. how I feel about that anyway. <laughs> Let me hit you with the fourth clue. Who am I? I wrote... Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and inflicted. Afflicted. It, sorry, afflicted, yeah. I looked down. <laughs> <laughs> afflicted. I was thinking as well, I'm like, oh, that's a different, that's a different version. <laughs> Is inflicted even a word? <laughs> yes, but not doesn't work in that context. Okay. <laughs> he was smitten by God and afflicted. <clears throat> Okay, so... Give us a call if you know who that oh, is. That, absolutely. Yeah, 1-800-FAITH-FM. 324-843. Or text us on 0491-064-669. See if you can get bragging rights here this morning and see if you can win yourself a prize. We have some amazing prizes in the prize box ready to give away, ready to come your way right now. Do some digging and searching and find out the answer to who this particular individual might be. All right, so where were we? We were uh, Exodus chapter 20. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. And let's look for something that should be fundamental amongst Christians. What is Exodus chapter 24? The Decalogue. The Decalogue. That's a big word, Mon. Yeah, thanks. It's the biggest one I've yet. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) surprised at that when you're talking about human stuff this morning in your (laughs) science story. Look, I know what a Decalogue is, but I don't know. I didn't know what a... What the, all that science stuff was. There was like a. There was one really big. I was protecting you from it, Lyle. Your brain would have melted if you had to read that word. Well, I wasn't the one who had to read it. it. Wasn't sitting in front of me. You were the one who had to read it. But anyway, that's all right. The Decalogue. What is the Decalogue? The Ten Commandments. The Ten mm. Commandments. A deca meaning ten. Log meaning what? I don't know. A tree. Uh, like that's fallen I, over. no. Isn't it like a log? Logos? Like a lo- no, no. Like a record. Yeah, like a record, like okay. a log. Like a captain's log. Oh, log. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe. I don't know, but it's spelled differently. It's spelled L-O-U-G-E. Like log. L-O-G-U-E. L-O-U-E. No, L-O-U-G-E. No, it's L-O-G-U-E. So is the, is the Ten Commandments something that Christians should be united on? <laughs> yes. Okay, is this an area of unity of faith that is non-negotiable? It should uh, be the most basic, basic uh, point of um, 
unity. Okay, so if the Decalogue is something that all Christians need to be united on, you know, why why is it not given until, you know, Exodus chapter 20? There's like two and a half thousand years after uh, the creation of human beings and why was it nailed to the cross, you know, a couple of thousand years later? I've always thought they didn't get it because they didn't need to have it written down. But then as human, as sin was degradating the world, did you just poke me? You just poked me. I'm correct. Yes, it was L O G U E. Yes. Yeah, but as like embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take mine on when it comes to spelling, <laughs> punctuation, and grammar. Yes. So, um, but yeah, but as you know, as as the, as the world progressed and we got more um, it degraded through sin, we needed to have stuff written down, records having written down. Yeah, but wasn't it nailed to the cross? Isn't it just like a, a very temporary thing that just sort of was yeah, there? Yeah. So we don't need to keep the Ten Commands anymore. Case closed. Let's go home. No, I'm <laughs> no. A lot of Christians would say that. It's crazy, isn't it? It's nuts. It's like, have you never read the New Testament? They're the Just best guidelines ever invented. The new t- and, 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 and it's like, why would you want to? Mm. You know, why would you want to get rid of the Ten Commandments? That makes no sense at all. And, and so we, you know, we have so many Christians around all over the place, and they're like, "Yeah, well, the, the Ten Commandments. Are, you know, don't worry about those anymore. They're, you know, they're bondage, and they're this, and they're that. And they just hate the law of God. Do anything they can to get rid of the law of God." And I'm just sort of scratching my head, thinking, "Why on earth? I do not understand this. I, I don't have no idea what's going on. What is your motivation? Do you, do you seriously? Are you seriously motivated to live an immoral life? I yeah. mean, that's not a Christian. Is experience. it perhaps? Perhaps they, they, you know, they've read the whole like it's been now." to the cross and so they think to themselves great this is a way for me to get out of having to do the ruly part of Christianity I can live how I want God will you know forgive me and and um, I'm, you know I'm, I'm cool like I, I can get the whole you know fun side of Christianity but I don't have to deal with the rules Jesus says if you love me keep my commandments that's it that's a very simple statement. So why is there this confusion? Why is there this confusion about people who think that the Ten Commandments have been nailed to the cross and they don't have to bother with them? Okay, well, first of all, the Ten Commandments have been there since the beginning of time. Uh, the Ten Commandments is the eternal uh, constitution of the government of, uh, government of God. The Bible is very, very clear about that. Um, the second thing is that the Ten Commandments were never nailed to the cross. The ceremonial law was nailed to the cross. That's the law that deals with sacrifices and ceremonies. There's nowhere in the Bible that the Bible says that the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross. There's no even indication of that. There is only passages that talk about the ceremonial law being nailed to the cross and done away with. Or our sin and our guilt being nailed to the cross. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Oh, most assuredly. And we don't need to keep the ceremonial laws anymore because they were just like a... Like a they pointed they're, forward. Yeah, pointing forward. Yeah, they're pointing forward to the sacrifice of Christ. And when Christ died on the cross, it sort of completed that and it doesn't need to be done anymore. So this is one of the great things about the law of God is its is its simplicity. You know, if you look at the laws that run Australia, yeah. you know, <laughs> it will freak your brain out just to, uh-huh. just to see them. Um, and when God comes to give his constitution, it's just like... He keeps it simple. Ten laws. The Bible mm-hmm. describes it in one place as mm-hmm. ten words. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. And yet it's so simple that people try and get rid of it. They try and uh, you know, do everything they can. And really Satan has hated the law of God. The whole controversy between Christ and Satan has been over the law of God since the very beginning. So should we really be that surprised that the law of God is something that people fight against? I guess not. You know, people say, oh, the New Testament does away with the law of God. The New Testament talks more about the law of God than the Old Testament does. Oh, really? On a per capita basis. Yeah, Absolutely. Vastly more passages talking about the law of God and talking about it positive. Let's let's look at what the Bible says. Let's look, let's go to um, let's go to the book of Romans. 
Romans, let's start in, say, chapter 7 and verse 7, please, Mon. Oh, we're going to get, lo- get Harley to read I'm not there yet. Oh, you are now. Okay, I'm there now. Yep. 7 so, verse 7. Go, go, Harley. Well, then... Well then, am I suggesting that the law is of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, was the law it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. Okay. Which law is that that he's talking about when it says you shall not covet? The tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. Yeah, it's ten commandments right yeah. there. So that gives you some context. Mm-hmm. Alright, so we're clearly talking about the the Ten Commandments. And you know, you ask the question, is the law sin? Of course it's not sin. God forbid this really, really strong language mm-hmm. uh, that Paul is using here, very, very emphatic language. Is I wouldn't even know what sin was unless there was a law. He's stating the Excellent obvious point. Yeah. He is stating the obvious. Sin <laughs> does not exist without a law. Mm. Yes. You know, if we are not united on this as Christians, this should be something that, as uh, Christianity, um, is a is a fundamental point of unity. We were talking uh, earlier in the week, Harley, about how that there are various things that we can be disunited on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's minor points where you are, you are never going to find two Christians that are exactly the same on yes. everything. Okay, so there are there are there are. Areas that we can be disunited on and we can have good, healthy discussions about them on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon after church, whatever it might be, and uh, and just, you know, that's, that's a blessing. But this is one where it's just like, you know, um, this is fundamental. Sin doesn't exist without the law of God. If sin doesn't exist, then what's the point of why do we need a Savior? There's no need for Jesus. There's no need for the Bible. There's no need for the gospel. There's no need for church. There's no need for preaching. There is no need for any of it without the law. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So it's all here in, uh, you know, this is, this is foundational. If you, if you do away with the law of God, you've done away with sin. I mean, think about this. When Jesus came to this earth, he had two ways of saving humanity. The easy way, the easiest way that Jesus could have saved humanity is by abolishing the law. If Jesus Mm. had abolished the law, sin would have ceased to exist and all of humanity would have been saved. Just like that. And I think some people think that Click this the is fingers, the answer. Click of the fingers, problem solved. I think, I think some people think that this is the answer. Instead of um, dealing with the fact that they you know, have problems with sin, they're like, do you know what? We'll fix the problem by saying that sin isn't sin, so let's do away with the law. But the problem with that is look around you. Like, look at the state of this world. Look at what we're doing to each other. Look at the like the wars and the horrific crimes we commit against each other. Has it really fixed anything to do away with do away with the law to do away with sin? It, it would never. Mm. It's not. It's not a solution at all. No, not at all. It, it solves nothing. Well, it basically, what it would be would be that God's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to make uh, sin, pain, suffering. Uh, torment, horror, horrific things. I'm going to make that just you know all a part. That's the of standard of perfection now, and that's, yeah, that's, and that's yeah. the that, that's the difference between a pardon and redemption, pardoning and redemption. Jesus didn't he, Jesus didn't come just to pardon. He came to he, redeem he as came well. To he redeem came us. to change. He came yes. to, came to convert us. Yes, he and didn't then, just come to set, to justify us. He came to sanctify us as yes. well. The ministry of reconciliation. And when people separate those two things, and oh, salvation is just one, you know, just justification. You know, if, if if justification takes place and sanctification doesn't happen, then justification never happened in the first place. Yes. You can't separate those two things; that they're they're inseparable, and uh, and to place salvation just on one and not include both is um, is a major mistake, and it, it involves doing away with the law of God. 
So looking at this subject here, the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary is the clearest demonstration that you can get that it's impossible to do away with the law of God. Jesus died on Calvary instead of doing away with the law. He died on Calvary because he would not do away with the law because the law is a law of love. Love Mm -hmm. to God, love to each other. It's all about love. The Bible says love is the fulfilling of the law. And so if we can't be united on this, if we're not united on the law, then we we can't believe in Jesus. We cannot believe in his sacrifice on Calvary. It is that simple. So why all the discussion over the law of God? What's it all about? We need to dig a little bit further into this subject and why is it that people have such an issue with God's law? A couple of verses. Um, I'm just going to read a passage here from uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 31, which I think is really relevant. In verse 31 it says, Do we then make void the law through faith? You have lots of people who say, Yeah, our grace is done away with, with the law. We live under the, the dispensation of faith now. We, we, you know, we're justified by faith, not by works. Um, anything to do with the law, the moment you use the word law, you're talking about works. No, no, that's not works. Works is trying to be good enough to get into heaven. That's works. Mm. Works is doing things so that you can be saved. <coughs> um, and, and so this is not doing, you know, this is, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid, he goes on, we establish the law. Once again, he uses that most emphatic word that it is possible to use. God forbid. Mm. We establish the law. Yes. There were people who were being confused about this in Paul's day. Confusion had, and this just shows how Satan works because Satan will do anything he can to get rid of the law of God and he will fight tooth and nail as hard as possible to get rid of the law of God. And he was doing it while the apostles were still alive. Can you believe that? You know, there was people there right then at that time who were like, yeah, you know what, let's let's get rid of the law of God. And he's like, God forbid. You know, this is, we establish the law. Mm. So it's almost like, you know, Paul's trying to write it down in the clearest possible way so that it can never, ever, ever be understood, misunderstood under any circumstances. And yet, and yet we here, we the, yeah, and yet here we <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to get rid of the Ten Commandments. Okay, so which one of the Ten Commandments then is the big problem? You know, which one, from a Christian perspective, now from a worldly perspective, uh, there's a number of commandments that are a big problem, but from a Christian perspective, which one is, which, you know, if you're a Christian listening in today, please tell me which commandment is it that you don't like? Which commandment is it that you would like to see nailed to the cross? I don't want to see any of them nailed to the cross. <laughs> no, that's right. I don't want to see any of them yeah, nailed to the cross. Yeah. What? Did you just throw something in my hair, Lyle? <laughs> Oops. Uh, that was, that's very, uh, like, was that a spitball? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Lyle was trying to throw something in the bin, but he has pretty terrible aim. He just threw something in my hair instead. Yeah, I, um, Dad's a bit of a nerd sometimes. I, 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 play, uh, I play basketball with the bin over there every morning. And Mon sits where you can't see it, so I have to do it. But then this one was kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all I good. have never seen Dad play basketball. <laughs> I, I, he tries. He tries every morning here with the, with the, the bin office. and his papers. Bin basketball is the best. Uh-huh. It keeps me occupied. <laughs> okay, I don't need to be occupied. I, I enjoy talking to you guys. Okay, I don't want any of the Ten Commandments nailed to the cross. Which one do you? Which you want nailed to the cross? I don't want to nail any of the. Have Ten you met anyone who's who, any Christians who said they wanted to, 
ten, one of the Ten Commandments nailed to the cross? Okay, this is a very valid question. I've never met a Christian who says they want one of them nailed to the cross. Any I've met them? a lot of Christians who say that they are all nailed to the cross. Okay. So don't divvy them up. Yeah. It's all or nothing. The funny thing is, what I've noticed is that they'll nail them all up and then pull uh, um, and pull nine back down and leave only one up there. What's Which that? to me seems to be incredibly inconsistent. Yes. So they nail them all up. Okay, they're all nailed to the cross. Uh, but let's think about this. No, we, we don't like lying, so let's pull that one back down. We'll keep that. Uh, we don't like killing, so we'll pull that one back down. Yep, not going to nail that one up. You need to be respectful to your parents, better pull that one back down. Yep, and they'll work their way through. They'll pull them all back down, and they'll only leave one nailed up. You know which one they leave nailed up? The Sabbath. The one that proclaims Jesus as creator. Mm. Why? Why is Jesus as our creator such a problem? Well, apparently it's just not convenient. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You can't so, be stepping so, on people's toes, Lyle. Come on now, like. So not- Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross for my sins was convenient for mm-hmm, God. Yeah, you know, he was. That was something that was convenient for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the, the the ultimate of inconvenience. The Sabbath is probably the most convenient of all the commandments. It's funny. Isn't it? it's, literally, it's literally the only one that says do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best ever. Take a day off. It's like, hey guys, I'm going to give you a public holiday. Once a week. Yeah. Number one, two, three are all like, do this, do this, do this. Number four is don't do the, don't do anything. Number the rest of them are do this, do this, do this, do this. And we're like, oh, don't do anything. No, no. The That's first the- ones are do. The last ones are don't. Don't you know? Don't kill. Don't. And and the fourth one is don't do anything at all. Yeah. Just take a chill day. And I think that's. I think that goes back to the whole thing about works versus mm. faith, because it's just so hard for us to consider the fact that wait. God just wants us to trust him in, 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 in faith and just yeah. not do anything. And it really just goes to show that deep down in, 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 in all of our hearts, you know, in all of our, in all of our twisted psyche uh, as, as a fallen race, we all just feel that even if we assent to what the Bible says, we can still have this mindset of, you know, I can't, I can't rest and just completely give a whole day to trust God. You know, I have to do something. Mm. It's true. It's absolutely true. So let true. me think. Let me just uh, do it the wrong way then. Yeah. Because yeah. then at least I'm doing something. I've, 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 I've uh, accomplished something. I've changed the law of God in some way or, you know, yeah. whatever. Which is, which is interesting in the context of Hebrews where uh, the Sabbath is used as a symbol of salvation by grace. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what the Sabbath has always been. Because even if you look at it outside of the uh, Exodus 20 Decalogue and you look at it in the Deuteronomy chapter 5, or Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, Ten Commandments, where it's where it's once again given. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses is here speaking it instead. He emphasizes it in a different way, where he says that the reason that you're going to keep the Sabbath is in Exodus 20 because God is the Creator and He rested on the seventh day. But he says, no, the reason you're going to keep the Sabbath is also because you were once slaves, and God has rescued you, and you are now free. Because as a slave, you don't get to have a day off. Exactly. And so it's the same thing for us, you know, and, and, and that applies over because, you know, Jesus, when he finished creating the world, he rested on the seventh Romans day. Romans 7, we are slaves. Yeah, yeah. When Jesus finished creating the world, he rested on the seventh day. When Jesus finished redeeming the world, he rested in the tomb on the seventh day. You know, it's, there's, this, there's this beautiful harmony because it's all about just the way that we can trust God to just take care of us and, and not have to be, be slaves. And to, not have to, to be sin, involved. Not have to be involved. Exactly, and so if 
you want to prove to someone that salvation is by by grace alone through faith. The Sabbath is one of the greatest indications of that. It is very ironic that we work so hard to earn our own salvation, yet the work has actually already been done and all we need to do is accept. We're going to take a break. This is Marion Blythe Peppers with the song, I Heard the Voice of Jesus. Peppers with I Heard the Voice of Jesus here on Faith FM. Let's go to Ezekiel. No, we don't want to go to Ezekiel. Mon we is don't want to go to Ezekiel. waving at me like, don't go to Ezekiel. 
No, because okay, we want to get what, the last clue for the quiz. While Mon is giving the last clue for the quiz. Go to Ezekiel. Everybody else, go to Ezekiel. Okay. All right. Unless so you're driving. Ezekiel 20. If you're driving, don't go to Ezekiel. Yeah, let us go to Ezekiel 40. Go to wherever you are going. Okay, so the last clue. I wrote one of the major prophetic books of the Old Testament. That's pretty easy. If you want to look at that book, it's like somewhere in between, I want to say Ecclesiastes and Jeremiah, somewhere in between there. Give us a call if you know the answer. <laughs> a, ma- a, major, a major book FM. between those two books. I wonder <laughs> what that might be. <laughs> give us a Song call. Song of Solomon? <laughs> no. Stop guessing. I'm going to give it away. <laughs> give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. 1-800-324-843. If you think you know the answer, you can win the prize today. Yeah, Song of Solomon is a book of major importance, but... It's not called. Wait, did I get that right? Is it between Ecclesiastes and Jeremiah? I got it yes, right. Yes, but you, the song of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, that's it's, just, there's two. There's two between Ecclesiastes and it's it's, Song it's of between it's a it's, and, a, and, and, it's and, a major book between um, Psalms and Malachi. Oh yeah, there is Song of Solomon's. Yeah, Solomon's is in there as well. Have you guys uh, talked about Song of Solomon much on the show? That would be <laughs> that would be interesting. I think the <laughs> listeners really like that. Believe me, <laughs> the weird thing is on this show, we get the most. We we get a lot of questions about. Um, human sexuality. In fact, was it just yesterday? It seems like people are fascinated with that subject here on, you know. It was just yesterday, our question. Which is why the Bible has a whole book on it. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, Lyle referenced uh, Song of Solomon's yesterday because uh, our question of the day was, <laughs> um, <coughs> should married couples <laughs> see sexual activity after having had kids? I'm really un- one trying uh, trying to get my head around what kind of a person would ask a question There like is that. a group of people who believe that sex is just for procreation and once you've had the kids, you need to stop expelling your energy in that naughty, naughty, wasteful, Form. Yes, so, I think there's about three people in the world, but anyway. And one of them asked us a question. Yeah, so the question was asked, so we had to um, dig into that one. But yeah. We just. Um, <laughs> cool. Read, yeah, <laughs> chapter I've got a real awkward. First Corinthians chapter 7. Ezekiel 20. Let's go back there. Yes. <laughs> Changing the subject. Ezekiel there's 20. nothing more awkward than discussing these kind of topics with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, your mum's here. Let's get her in. <laughs> the three of you can sit here. Uh, uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 20. 20 and verse 12. Uh, Harley, you got that one? 2012. Yes, that one. Yes. And I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. To them in this is the, the children of Israel. Absolutely. Okay, let's think about this uh, particular passage right here. Let's dig into it. The Bible says that the Sabbath is a memorial in Exodus chapter 20, that Jesus is the one who uh, created us. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, it is a memorial that Jesus is the one who has freed us from slavery. And what is it here? I have silence in the room. The one who sets, that Jesus is the one who set, him, set us apart to be holy. Okay, so it's, it's kind of similar to the Deuteronomy one, isn't it? Mm. There's a definite link between those two. You know, Deuteronomy, I'm the one who sets you free from slavery. Mm. Um, this one, I'm the one who sets you apart for holiness. Mm. You know, I'm being set free from slavery. Slavery to sin is very, very similar. Well, it's, it's really part of the whole same process of uh, being set apart for holiness. So here's what Jesus does for you He creates you, He saves you. And he, and he helps you be holy. And he sets you apart for holiness. Absolutely. Now, Harley, you made a mention here that this is talking about the Israelite people. So clearly we don't need to worry about it, right? Yeah, we don't uh, need to worry they're, about they're, it they're, they're the only ones who need to be holy? <laughs> I was just saying that for anyone who's listening who might not be interested, might be confused at who the them is in, in the in the. In the Okay, so context. so we have, it, we, we have it very clearly. This is the Israelite people. Does that, you're not an Israelite that I know of. Um, because I'm not an Israelite that I know of, and, and, and your mum isn't that we know of. Um, 
I month. doubt it. Uh, but but we are kind of. Kind of? Are well, you claiming totally. to be like a spiritual or, Israelite or something? Spiritual, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, there's neither... Yeah, Paul is very clear. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free. For we're all one in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then we are the, of the seed of Abraham. Okay, the descendants of Abraham. Yes. The seed of Abraham means the descendants of Abraham. Okay, I like that. Uh, that really solves the problem for us right there because all of us then... Uh, I wouldn't even say kind of... We are Israel, spiritual Israel. So we're not kind of Israelites, we're 100% Israelites. And when you know, Jesus, Jesus made that prophecy and he said, you know, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a new nation, bringing, the fruits thereof, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And when Peter quotes that and talks about, you know, you're a new nation, a holy, a holy nation, a, a, a special people, then uh, very clearly Peter is identifying the Christian church as that new nation. And so, therefore, these promises apply to us. And also, if you, it's very interesting. If we look at the book of Isaiah, there's a, chap, there's a chapter in there where it specifically talks about those who are not of Israel keeping the Sabbath, worshipping God in his temple on the Sabbath. And so even, even back in the Old Testament times, the Sabbath wasn't just for the Jews. Oh, absolutely. And so... We always have to. We always have to. Sometimes we well, so what, easily what, what get nationality? This. What nationality was Adam? Human. Mm, I, I, he I was call an him Edenite. <laughs> an, an, an Edenite. An Edenite. I like that. An Edenite. <laughs> it sounds like Edomite. Yeah, not to be confused with the Edenites. We. Um, I would say he was. An, I, I, I would say he was an antediluvian. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's what yeah. I would say. His nationality over was here. his <laughs> his race. But here's, his the, here's race. the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make. So often we we read the Bible, you know, and we see the Old Testament and the New Testament. We think Old Testament Israel, New Testament Church, you know. But really, there's a there's you can, you can just rip that page out that divides the Old Testament from the New Testament because it's just one story the whole way through about God and humanity. Because God, from the very beginning, even though He had His chosen people. Those people were chosen to bring other people in, yep. and to be and to be always inclusive. And we can just get so exclusive sometimes, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to God's law. And 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 we just need to be we need to understand that all the way through the Bible. Not only do you you, you see, someone will have to fact check me on this, but I'm I'm pretty certain that you see indications of Gentiles, especially in the Old Testament. Oh, absolutely. Being so, you know, being keepers of the law of God. Mm. The Bible says that Jethro was a priest of the Most High God. Which day did he worship on? Exactly. He very clearly he worshipped on the Sabbath day. He was a he, you know he came and joined Israel. He was a part of Israel, and uh, this is the, the Bible doesn't dispute this. He was a, he was a black man who worshipped on the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no question about this that the Sabbath was something that was you know universally kept by God's people wherever they were. It was just that Israel was supposed to be the nation that actually stood up in defense of that, and really nothing has changed all the way down through. And so really, now. the Sabbath was something that God. Has given us as humanity to bring us together. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a unit. Okay, so here we find a point of unity, which comes back to the theme of our Bible study. It's all about unity. Exactly. So the most unifying of all of the Ten Commandments then is the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is actually what creates unity within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. On that thought, let's go to Leviticus. Not often that we go to Leviticus. No, I was just wondering what we're doing there. Leviticus chapter 23, and Mon, if you could read for us verse 3. 
Leviticus 23 and verse 3, the Bible says what? You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It okay. is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. There you go. All right. An official day of what? Rest, rest. the Bible says. And assembly. And assembly together. Right there from the very beginning, the Sabbath was a time for God's people to get together, to worship together, to spend time in rest and worship and going to church and being, you know, and just having a fantastic experience. And you wonder why it is that, particularly here in Australia, where we are living in the land of the long weekend, why would it be, why would we object to God giving us a day off every week? Uh, but here he does, and of course Jesus' example was to keep the Sabbath when he was on earth. That was his habit. And Paul goes on, and Paul says, do not neglect worshipping on a weekly basis.
forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
Things have been harder than they seem Still I sing your will Your will be done Your will be done Your will be listening to Hoku Clements with Your Will Be Done here on Faith FM and we have come to Q of the day. Question of the day time. Okay, Lyle. So a couple of days ago, you actually mentioned that you were going to explain this. You promised this to the listeners. You didn't deliver and our listeners have come back for it. You can't go promising our live <laughs> listeners stuff and they're not delivering, Lyle. Very disappointed in you. <laughs> Let's see if you can redeem yourself. The question that's come in is how will... Every eye see Jesus when he returns in the second coming. I don't know. Come on, dude. Obviously, the answer is because the world is flat. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you're a stirrer. What am I going to do with you? Okay, let's just review what the Bible says. Let me just say, I'm not a flat earther, P.S. Just let me tell you that. (laughs) The world is round. Mon is is, uh, (laughs) a world traveler. She is well educated on these things. She has been around the world. She knows how it works. Okay, so the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye will see him, and those also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. So the Bible says every eye. You go to Revelation chapter 6, and down in the end of the passage, you will find down in verse 15, the Bible says, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, the every slave and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Every eye can see Jesus coming back when Jesus returns. You go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. And where will we go here? This time we will go to verse 30. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall all see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So you know that they're all going to see them? Yes. And the, there Every are, eye. There are a couple of theories as to how that happens, right? Okay. So, all right. I did promise that I would share with you my theory. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is my theory. This is or a theory, a one of a number of theories. Because God is God; He is sovereign God. He 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 lives. He, he exists he in the realm of the supernatural, mm-hmm. and so there is uh, probably many supernatural ways that He can make this take place. However, think about this from the perspective of a round world. On a round world, there are some things in the night sky that you can see from anywhere on the planet at nighttime. You just look up and you can see it. it'll be somewhere in the sky because it is so far away. Right? That's true. The Bible doesn't see that, say that Jesus' feet will touch the ground. Mm, it doesn't. The Bible just says that everyone will see Jesus. In fact, the Bible says we will meet Jesus in the air. And when you've got an event where every single angel in the universe is turning up at one place at one time, you're going to be able to see that from a very, very long way away. Mm. And so the first thing is that 
Uh, if Jesus comes to this earth and he's coming towards the equator, from anywhere on the earth you're going to be able to look up and to see Jesus coming towards the equator, except for obviously on the opposite side of it. But our world is not just round, our world also rotates. So the Bible says that every eye will see this event. But it doesn't say that it will happen instantaneously. Every eye will see him instantaneously. It could be that as the world rotates, they see him over a. They see this event over a twenty-four hour period. It's not going to be less than a twenty-four hour. I mean, more than a twenty-four hour period. Um, it's certainly going to be a lot less than that. And so that's one way it could happen. You know, the Bible's not clear and doesn't specify on these kind of issues. So let's say that God just came close to the earth. We know that he comes close. We know that his feet don't touch the ground. We know that we meet him in the air. And the earth then rotates. Every eye is going to see him. Or he can come to the earth and rotate himself in the opposite direction of the earth. And that's just going to be exactly the same result, just a little bit quicker. I guess it's the same way that everyone can see the sun. Like the sun doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the sun, you know, re-rotate. Everyone gets a glimpse of the sun at some point or another. Absolutely. I guess, yeah, I, yeah, there's many different I guess it's not really as impossible as we think it is initially. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you, you get to the, uh, the, the, um, the equinoxes and, uh, yeah, everybody can see the sun. Yeah. It's, there's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing terribly difficult about this. God can do this supernaturally, but he doesn't have to do it supernaturally. He can do it through natural means that we understand right now. I'm really interested. I can't. I can't wait for that day. Like, I'm so looking forward to it. Just like the way they talk about so many angels going to be there. Oh, I just. I can't wait for this moment. It's making me so excited. It about will it. be the greatest celebration that the universe has ever seen, <laughs> ever seen, or that the universe will ever experience. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number is one eight hundred Faith FM. It's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. We love answering your questions.
Carly Fletcher with Teach Us to Number Our Days here on Faith FM where we are about to give something away for free. Yeah, You don't even have to answer the quiz. And, of course, no. the quiz was a tough one. It was. Okay, give us a call now. Be the first person to call through on 1-800-FAITH-FM and you can get yourself a copy of End Time Hope, A Journey to Eternity. It's a wonderful book by Mark Finley. We are, I'm sure many of us know who Mark Finley is. Very... Um, uh, very prominent uh, evangelist, really great speaker, really great um, presenter of the message, and uh, and this book, you know, a gospel message. Yeah, it really and it really gives you hope because there is so much. I mean, on the back, you know, it talks about all the different scary things that are happening these days: terrorist threats, school violence, you know, devastating natural um, uh, disasters, you know, t- you know, tornadoes, tsunamis, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, it talks about the sh- shaky economy and the crazy threats of nuclear war and you know, North Korea and Iran and all that kind of places, and. Altogether, if you think about that stuff, it really is quite frightening. Um, but this book, it promises uh, answers, real answers um, to all the confusion, the dilemmas uh, the world is facing. And uh, it's the biblical teaching of the return of Jesus. Um, and you will really enjoy this book. It really will give you uh, hope for these end times. So it's, it's hope, end time hope, a journey to eternity. If you'd like a copy of this, give us a call now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number to call. Okay, and of course, a uh, wishing all of our American friends a very happy Thanksgiving today. Yeah, Thanksgiving! Best, best, best public holiday ever. Yeah, it should be like the only holiday. Anyway, <laughs> we, should have, we should have it worldwide. Don't eat too much. Out food. of all of the things that Americans have exported, <clears throat> this is the one that should be exported. Oh, if there's any Americans, Let's get rid of all the other American exports and just keep this one. If there's any Americans in Australia who are celebrating this, uh, please uh, send invitations to our office for Lyle <laughs> yeah, and Mond yeah. to join you and your breakfast. <laughs> uh, speaking of invitations, you know you are invited to call us up now if you'd like to get uh, more information about studying the Bible you can even get a copy of Lyle's uh, study guide that he wrote the prophetic code but stay tuned for more great programming today all flesh is like the grass the grass withers and fades away All flesh is like the grass The grass withers and fades away The glory of man like a flower That shrivels in the sun and falls Glory of man like a flower that shrivels in the sun and falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Is 
like the grass The grass withers and fades away The glory of man like a flower That shrivels in the sun and falls The glory of man like a flower